Kia ora and welcome to my daily podcast. I'm Bernard Hickey for The Kaka. Every day I look at issues in Aotearoa, New Zealand through a political economy lens and in particular housing affordability, climate change and poverty reduction. Today I wanted to have a look at the issue of our emissions reductions and whether we're going to meet our commitments under the Paris Agreement and how we might do that. And I say that because we've learnt this morning that the Ministry for the Environment is taking a look at whether or not to pay a so-called carbon dividend. Now, this is related to the money we pay through the emissions trading scheme to the government, in theory, for the emissions that we produce when we buy petrol or diesel, and sometimes when we buy electricity or uh, take a domestic flight. And these um, credits that, in effect, the people who sell us petrol or plane tickets buy in the emissions trading scheme produces revenue for the government. And the idea that's been put around for a while is that Consumers, voters, would be much more relaxed about the emissions trading scheme and the costs to consumers of reducing emissions if they could somehow get some cash in their hands. So this idea of a carbon dividend has come up. And it's a policy that both ACT and the Greens uh, have proposed at various points over time. And, for example, there is a carbon dividend in Canada. Uh, They have a carbon tax there and about 17% of the revenues from that tax go back in the form of a cash payment to adults and children, around about $400 a year. So um, we know that the Ministry of the Environment is looking at it and uh, it raises the question, is it a good idea? And if it is, how much would we get? And does it actually help us achieve the main aim here, of course, which is to reduce our emissions in a way that means um, we comply with our international commitments, let alone, you know, try to actually save the planet. Let's look past that for now uh, um, and look at where we are. So we know from a Treasury report that came out in April that we're essentially behind the curve. We are running late. (laughs) We have to um, essentially reduce our emissions by about 100 million tonnes more than we're currently expected to between 2026 and 2030 under the Paris Agreement. So 2026 is not that far away. I bet you put items in your calendar for 2026. You're starting to make maybe plans for holidays or Uh, retiring or whatever it is that you're uh, planning to do, Um, it's close. And and then we've only got four years left to deliver 100 million tonnes worth of emissions. To give you an idea, uh, about about 1 million tonnes represents the emissions from 300,000 cars for a year. So um, that's, that's all of Christchurch not driving for a year, a hundred times in four years. So this is actually quite a lot of emissions that we're going to have to find and reduce. And 
at the moment, the assumption from Treasury, uh, and it's been accepted de facto by uh, Labor and the Greens, is that, well, Labor at least, I think um, James Shaw had to swallow that rat in cabinet when the emissions reduction plan came out last year and he had to go to Glasgow um, to say that uh, we're behind, uh, we're going to meet our targets by buying credits in international markets. So this is the idea that, yep, we're going to be short by 100 million tonnes. What we'll do is we'll go out into international markets and we will buy these credits. And it will cost us some money. We're not quite sure yet because we don't know what we're going to have to pay per tonne. That sounds sensible, I suppose. Uh, um, particularly if there was a market there, but like the market for oil, you know. Uh, go out there, ring up your friendly commodities trader, um, transfer a few million dollars and get your barrels of oil. Um, surely there's something like that for the emissions trading market, right? No, there isn't. Uh, uh, there is no accredited liquid, useful, accessible market for emissions credits that we can use. Now, there are some cross-border emissions trading schemes. There's one for Europe, for example. But, of course, we're talking here about, you know, a formal um, currency union combined with political union and an established scheme for members of the European Union. We're not. And uh, uh, for us to get hold of 100 million tonnes, um, we'd have to do some pretty heavy diplomatic work. And we'd also have to compete against others who are buying them. Let's say, for example, we went to Vanuatu or Colombia or we went to Bangladesh um, and said, hey, um, we'll pay you X billion dollars to reduce your emissions by 100 million tonnes. That's an awful lot of trees planted cars not used, um, all sorts of um, things would need to be done. And you'd need to be sure that it had been delivered and you'd need to be able to prove through the United Nations that it had been delivered. That's our strategy at the moment. And literally, this is only a couple of years ago away, we're, we're going to be in this position. Now, you could say, ah, United Nations, shemited nations, you know, who cares about that? And who cares about the Paris Agreement? Um, well, you can be sure that trade diplomats around the world in the European Union, even the UK, certainly China and the United States will use whatever excuse they can get their hands on to block our exports of meat and dairy and anything else into those countries if we have been seen to be a complete flagrant um, uh, non-player in the whole uh, emissions reduction game. So that's not really viable. So we're going to have to do something. And Treasury have estimated we're about 100 million tonnes short and that there are some prices around and that, you know, maybe, Hail Mary, there might be some sort of trading scheme up and running or we might have our three climate diplomats actually do an awful lot of work between now and 2026 and win the contests against the Swiss diplomats and the Swedish diplomats and everyone else. Uh, Switzerland, by the way, have been um, carbon diplomating away for at least a decade and have already done deals with the likes of Chile and Peru to buy forests and various other things. And um, the prices, well, Treasury estimates they could range from anywhere from $44 a tonne 
to $224 a tonne. You've got to know that um, currently in the European Union, where they have the most established liquid trading, liquid markets for carbon, the price there is you know, getting upwards around about 150 US dollar, New Zealand dollars a tonne, 100 euros uh, a tonne. So it's going to be a bit expensive, the $150. Let's say we get to $200. Now, on those measures, Treasury is saying that New Zealand faces a carbon liability of up to, wait for it, $23 billion. $23 billion New Zealand taxpayers are going to have to pay overseas for emissions credits to meet our uh, arrangements. That is one looming liability. People talk about, you know, um, creating debts for future generations to pay off. Well, that's what we're doing right now with our emissions uh, policy. And it certainly will be a major question for the opposition and the government in the election campaign uh, if I get uh, a chance to ask some questions of uh, emissions climate uh, spokespeople. Um, How are you going to pay it off? Where are you going to get that money? And um, who's going to pay? Uh, or what are you going to do to make sure that we actually meet our emissions targets so that we don't have to buy those 100 million tonnes worth of credits? And um, my argument here is that rather than pay cash back to consumers for their emissions trading scheme, uh, you could, in essence, use that potentially up to $23 billion to incentivise New Zealanders uh, to reduce their emissions. And we have a, a model here as recently as Sunday when the government announced that it would pay $130 million for most of the cost, or slightly less than half of the cost, my apologies, slightly less than half of the cost of a new electric arc furnace at New Zealand Steel's Glenbrook plant. This will reduce about 800,000 tonnes of carbon per year. And currently there's not much incentive for NZ Steel to do that because um, their emissions essentially don't count under the emissions trading scheme that we've got at the moment. And no one's suggesting that they get forced into it. By the way, they've said if they were forced into it, they'd leave the country. So um, uh, that's one way to, to measure it. Effectively, the government has bought emissions reductions from a private company. And it costs them about... $16.20 $16.20 a tonne to do it. Now, you might say, hmm, is that a good deal, $16.20 a tonne? Well, it is when you look at the cost of our current um, emissions credits on our own emissions trading scheme are around about $55 a tonne. They did get up to almost $90 a tonne at the end of last year before the government um, accidentally on purpose wrecked the ETS market and drove prices to the floor because everyone lost confidence in it. And that is um, an indicator of that price, $16.20, of, you know, what you can do. Uh, Now, if you think that we want to reduce the overall costs of our climate emissions, well, the one way to look at this is to say, okay, uh, Treasury said the cost could be anything up to $23 billion in the next five years or so, $4 billion a year, Um, what we should be doing is spending much less than $23 billion to reduce our emissions so we don't have to buy the credits on international markets. So let's say, for example, instead of spending $4 billion a year reducing emissions, we spend $2 billion a year reducing emissions. In the end, we end up 
as you can see, with a profit. We have effectively reduced our expected costs by, let's say, if we manage to get to the end of it and we don't have to spend any money on international credits and it cost us, let's say, $8 billion over the next four or five years to reduce those emissions, then we've made a profit, if you see what I mean. Uh, that is um, another way to look at this story of uh, how do we reduce our emissions and um, how do we ensure that we reduce the overall costs of the country. Um, so my argument would be, rather than use a um, carbon dividend scheme, think of the emissions trading scheme and our challenge of reducing emissions as a pot of money, if you like, by which the government buys emissions reductions from the public. And that could be individuals or companies or councils. And in effect, uh, uses a similar set of thinking and tools as it did with New Zealand Steel. Approach individuals, companies, councils, and say, we want to buy off you 10,000 tonnes worth of emissions reductions. And we're willing to pay, I don't know, $100 a tonne for that. What can you give me? And this forces people to think, mm, there's something in this for me. I could get a lot of cash here if only I could reduce my emissions. Now, it might be, for example, I go out and buy myself uh, um, a whole bunch of uh, energy-efficient lighting. Uh, I go and buy an electric bike. And I say to the government, right, I've done this, and now I'm going to reduce my emissions by X. Now, that is, um, it sounds good in, in theory, but, of course, that's millions of, relationships, things to prove, prices to check. Unlike with New Zealand Steel, where the government could buy in one big lump uh, essentially 800,000 tonnes a year of emissions reduction at a cost of $16.20 a tonne, um, with a bunch of negotiations between the Ministry for the Environment and ECA and NZ Steel, still that's quite an efficient way to do this. And there is another way to think about it, which is that the government could say, Okay, we can calculate uh, what the emissions reductions would be. For example, if I chose to uh, not drive my car anymore and use an electric bike. Let's say I'm travelling and commuting every year 20,000 kilometres and I know how much petrol I'm going to use. Instead of doing that, I'm using my electric bike and I'm reducing my um, carbon footprint by, let's say over the next four years, I might be reducing my carbon footprint by 20 tonnes. Now, if... I'm going to be paid, let's say, $100 a tonne. That's a couple of thousand dollars. You know, that would be, uh, would be worth it to me because there's some health benefits and other reasons for jumping on an electric bike as opposed to using a car. Um, it would make sense for me to um, use that $2,000 to subsidise the purchase of an electric bike. So why doesn't the government just offer me a $2,000 voucher for an electric bike in exchange for my old dunger of a car? That's the sort of thing that you could do. And also you get into the, the area of, for example, the government paying to very quickly uh, shift people out of their cars onto buses and walking and cycling. And you can do that in various ways. One way would be, for example, to reconfigure a whole bunch of roads quickly, um, effectively creating the option for people to safely cycle uh, to and from work and leave their car at home.
Um, there's lots of different ways to do this, and I'm sort of surprised, actually, that the government or ECO or basically everyone who thinks about this hasn't gone through and worked out how they could reduce their emissions, what the effective cost it would be, and then go to someone and say, well, why don't you buy these emissions off me? And it's quite interesting that New Zealand Steel deal has sort of, um, I think, made us think about it in a different way. And you can see the government thinking about it too in a different way. For example, to give them credit, uh, the decision earlier this year to end the um, cash for clunkers scheme. This is where thousands of dollars were paid for people to hand in their old dunger of a car. And it turns out it's quite expensive per tonne. So about 4,500 tonnes of emissions were reduced uh, by um, uh, paying $569 million for the, cat, the clunkers. And that actually works out at around about uh, $12,000 a tonne. So that's, that's not a good deal. So um, if, you don't, if you're using the reason that that's too expensive uh, and you're using the reason that $16.20 is nice and cheap, well, why don't, come up, why don't you come up with a number in between and avoid having to pay the $23 billion in emissions uh, credits overseas? And remember, um, you may think, what on earth are they thinking? Why are they assuming that we have to go overseas? Because it's not an obvious place you'd go. Well, we've been here before. For those who are quite young or haven't been paying attention, uh, and that includes, I have to say, me for a while, but um, way back in the early 2000s, uh, from about 2009 onwards when we had a new government, there was a push to try to reduce the cost of the emissions trading scheme for large companies. And at that point, um, this was after the end of the uh, Cold War, the Berlin Wall had come down, and Eastern Europe and Russia had essentially deindustrialized. So a whole bunch of carbon belching steel plants um, shut down. Now, this was um, interesting in that it reduced emissions for that part of the world. Now, people were starting to think about emissions trading schemes and how to trade uh, credits across borders and, you know, um, find the most efficient, cheapest way to reduce emissions and thought, oh, let's create a market. That's a good idea. And then everyone thought, oh, look, um, look, the Eastern Europeans and the Russians have already reduced their emissions, so they've got, you know, some money in the bank, so to speak, in their credits, and why don't we buy theirs? And so for about three seconds in Europe, people bought a whole bunch of Russian and Ukrainian and um, Polish and other credits. And then everyone looks at each other and goes, uh, this doesn't really make sense because um, those factories didn't shut down because they were trying to reduce emissions. They shut down because they went broke or um, uh, they were always going to shut down. So we're not really helping things much. So for a short while, the markets accepted these dodgy credits from Eastern Europe. And then in 2012, um, the European Union said, nah, these are dodgy, too dodgy for us. We're not accepting them anymore. Not New Zealand. So between 2011 and 2015, uh, New Zealand uh, went gangbusters to buy these credits and in effect crashed the carbon price from something slightly credible of 20 or $30 a tonne at the time down to virtually nothing by buying a whole bunch of these credits um, from its alleged uh, Russian and Ukrainian mafia for as little as 20 cents per tonne. Now, this was understandably scandalous, not very well 
thought through or uh, well known about at the time. But in 2016, Jeff Simmons, um, a, a researcher and a staffer at the Morgan Foundation, did a big report on it, and I've got a link to it in the email newsletter, in which he um, dissected this uh, scam and um, made the point correctly that New Zealand was embarrassingly, cravenly um, buying dodgy credits off Russian mafia um, to save itself a bit of money and uh, was making itself a laughing stock. Now, as it turned out, the government had realised this quietly behind the scenes and shut this down in 2015, but by then the damage had been done and um, this has become a bit of a scandal. So the idea that we would go back overseas and start buying credits again, this time from legitimate uh, people and one's credits that the UN will recognise, well, that's, that's also um, debatable. Uh, I'm sure the Russian mafia would love to help fund the Ukrainian war by selling us some credits. We won't be buying them. But um, you do have to wonder, you know, if you get a Chilean or Peruvian forester turn up on your front door and say, hey, give me some money and I'll plant a forest. Um, how reliable is that? So I'd suggest the best way to do this is to reduce the emissions from home, using that potential liability as a fund, if you like, to pay for the um, reduction in our emissions to incentivise a whole bunch of people to do something they weren't planning to do. And one way to do it is to um, provide vouchers for the likes of um, e-bikes and for uh, uh, reducing tickets costs for uh, buses and trains. Now, we're doing some of that. You could argue we should be doing a lot more. Now, you may say, oh, well, look, the government's already doing it. There's a climate emergency response fund with billions in it, and uh, it's being spent in all sorts of ways. We've got some announcements in the budget. Obviously, they're half price tickets for teenagers, the free the free bus tickets for kids. Uh, we've also got um, a couple hundred million dollars being used to subsidise energy efficient insulation and lighting for uh, homes. This is all good stuff, but it's still very small. To give you a sense, the uh, Climate Emergency Response Fund, which is funded from all of the proceeds from the Emissions Trading Scheme, and it's designed as a fiscally neutral thing, so the money we pay for the Emissions Trading Scheme is recycled as various bits of spending to reduce emissions. Uh, the trouble, <laughs> trouble is when the government at the end of last year ignored the advice of the Climate Commission and um, crashed the market, Suddenly, it's now got a forecast of $2.7 billion less in emissions trading scheme revenues for the rest of the year. And uh, it has borrowed, it's going to borrow some money to top up the fund, but it's still, um, it's going to be short. And when you look at it over the next uh, two to three years, there's about, about $2 billion left in the fund. That's not nearly enough. Uh, and if you're serious about meeting your Paris commitments, the numbers should be more in the sort of eight to ten billion dollar mark, right up to twenty three billion if you're looking to save money. And um, this is something that um, I'll keep pursuing ahead of the election and look to try and frame this issue around this idea of uh, the government. You're looking to reduce the crown, in effect, looking to reduce its long term emissions by using that twenty three billion dollar sort of Damocles hanging over our heads as the incentive to spend money now to reduce the size of that.
and hopefully reduce it completely. And even if we spend $10 billion instead of $2 billion, that may seem like $8 billion too much, but actually it's $13 billion less than it would be if we didn't do anything. That's today's uh, uh, email um, and podcast from the Kaka. I'm Bernard Hickey. Kaki te anō.